The FIDO Alliance is pushing for global standards to be applied to authentication practices, practices that will impact a whole host of industries. And one area the group is focused on is mobile and the role these devices will play in authenticating users. Here, FIDO's president, Michael Barrett, and board member, Daniel Amanara, explain progress FIDO is making in setting its standards and what updates we might expect to see in 2014. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. The FIDO Alliance, which stands for the Fast Identity Online Alliance, is focused on strengthening and standardizing online authentication. Michael and Daniel, quickly, could you give us some background about what FIDO's top three goals are for 2014? Uh, roughly, it's pretty simple. This is Michael Barrett, by the way. I'm the president of the FIDO Alliance. So essentially, uh, what we're hoping to do is publish the first major drafts of our specification families as well as help our various member companies get products deployed in the market and in fact do whatever we can to sort of help kickstart the whole process that we're trying to get going right now. So 2013 in some ways was a kind of foundational year growing the alliance from a very few number of companies back in February uh, to nearly 70 at the end of the year and we've made a lot of progress but kind of 2014 is definitely the year when things really start moving in the uh, marketplace. Now, Daniel, Discover recently joined the FIDO board. Can you tell us specifically what FIDO means to Discover? FIDO specifications mean that Discover will be able to accelerate and simplify uh, the user authentication and make uh, transactions more secure. It means that our card members will benefit from a simplified transaction process that eliminates the need for multiple passwords. It means that our customers will be able to choose what an authentication method and or authentication device works best for them, whether they are at home, uh, at work, or on the go. And for merchants, what it means is reduce fraud and increase confidence that their customers are who they say they are when they log in. And so, Daniel, why did Discover decide to join the FIDO Alliance at this particular time? Well, Tracy, um, the Alliance is a powerful platform for collaborating with uh, our technology and industry leaders that span the digital security ecosystem. We all share the same goal of creating a safe, simple, and customer-friendly authentication experience. So, as a board member, Discover has a unique opportunity to play a guiding and influential role in revolutionizing the way that we do business online today. The Alliance is focused, as you know, on the critical and pressing task to be to create a single standard for online authentication where everything works together to create the greatest user experience and ecosystem that doesn't exist today. So how will these FIDO specifications approach mobile authentication? And this would be a mobile device being used perhaps as a token or a separate authentication tool. So basically, the thing to remember about the whole FIDO methodology is we're actually rethinking how authentication is done from the ground up. And if I can sort of go back to the current gold standard for authentication today is user ID and password. So essentially, it's a very central database kind of architecture where you log on using some terminal. Uh, you know, and back in the day, it was a green screen 3270 terminal. Uh, you type in your username and password, and it would be uh, rooted up to the mainframe uh, where it would be validated. Well, well today, uh, online, that's essentially the same methodology that we use. And the experience of typing a password in on a mobile device with those tiddly little virtual keyboards is pretty miserable. But nonetheless, that is architecturally 
what we're all facing today. The whole photo model is we're all carrying around these very powerful devices now. I mean, all of our phones are more powerful than the first mainframe, uh, frankly, that I used back in the day when I, I was sort of a beginning programmer. And so they can do a great deal, but essentially all we're using them for is to capture the user ID and password. So like I say, same architecture. So the photo model is very simple. The user authenticates to the device using whatever methodology that the user prefers that the device supports. And we suspect that many of these are going to be biometric, but not necessarily all of them. And then once the user has authenticated to the device, the device can then authenticate to what we call a relying party. And so obviously that is easiest to describe in the context of mobile. But in fact, the same basic architecture applies for mobile phone handsets, for tablets, for PCs. And in fact, the overall architecture can actually be used without end users so that you can do authenticated communication between um, system components. So it can also be used the dreaded Internet of Things that we all find ourselves talking about. So mobile is extremely important, but in fact, the core FIDO model is channel agnostic in that sense. You know, the mobile is a device. You know, of course, it's become more popular nowadays. There's a lot of transactions that happen via mobile. There's a lot of applications where you can actually shop online or you go and log into your bank. And what the FIDO specification allows us to do is actually secure it in an easier and more friendly way for consumers, at the same time being more secure for merchants as well as, as for our financial institutions. So as we move into e-commerce, what is great about working in the FIDO Lens and this uh, FIDO protocol is that it's not only mobile devices, but you have a choice from consumers. And some consumers do have smartphones, others do prefer using their laptops. And by using or adopting the FIDO protocol, we will be able to allow consumers to choose what works okay. best for them. How the mobile device might work as a token, how would this kind of fall into the overall authentication scheme that FIDO is pushing? Roughly, the basic model is, imagine you have got a smartphone, and fair to say that we expect that the Android ecosystem is going to respond to the Apple 5S. I think that's probably not. And so our expectation is that the FIDO model actually allows a mobile handset that would have, say, a fingerprint reader, as well as a voice print biometric stack, as well as, a, say, an eye or facial recognition stack. And so the end user simply picks which of those he or she is comfortable with, and then the relying party can make an informed decision about, okay, you know, maybe I trust fingerprint sensors, uh, but maybe I don't trust voice print because I think it's too easy to record somebody's voice and do a replay attack. I, I, and I'm not saying that's true, by the way. I'm just saying that might be what a relying party might conclude. And so what that allows for is a simultaneously stronger authentication event for the relying party, because today we're all being abused by the criminals who are getting more and more brazen in terms of the amounts of credentials that they're stealing. So right now, uh, as you know, Tracy, mobile phones have been used for a while as a quote-unquote token. Right? You know, we've used the caller ID of the number that is calling as a way of authentication in uh, offline channels. We're collecting parameters of the device, whether it's a model of the phone or the size of their, you know, the operating system of the device, et cetera, to identify whether this device has been used in the past and is some device that we, can, that we can trust. And we've also used cookies and that sort of technology to identify whether this is a repeat customer that we have seen before. 
And so there's also, you know, with the advent of iPhone 5, you know, fingerprint readers, but there are other manufacturers of phones that have NFC technology, and they have their own, you know, ways in which the phone can be used to websites and, and mobile applications. I think what FIDO protocol will do is standardize all these protocols. It will make it easier, regardless of the device that you're using, whether it's a phone or the model of the phone, we will have the same way of authenticating in a way that is secure and easier to use. So what types of standards and processes have to be considered for this type of mobile authentication? Within the FIDO Alliance, we're organized as a 501c6 not-for-profit industry association. And our focus is uh, very much on defining those technical standards that are needed. And, And essentially, what we're trying to do is define an authentication protocol that allows relying parties to integrate once to the FIDO APIs uh, and and to the FIDO message formats. And then, as a matter of policy, they can decide which of those those authenticators that, that the device has actually got implemented that they're prepared to trust. And so our general view is really hard enough to do that without trying to invent any more technology than you need to. And so for the most part, we're really trying to reuse technology that's already on the shelf. And so certain parts of the protocol, for example, where the device authenticates to the relying party, we're using pretty standard public key cryptography to do that. There's no magic there, and there's no point in us uh, coming up with a new authentication modality. So, So basically, our protocols are simply what is the minimum that we need to do to allow a user to authenticate to their device and the device authenticate to the relying party and, and no more than that. Um, of course, there's lots of uh, devils in the details, so to speak, but, but that's the high-level architecture of what we're doing. Michael and Daniel, you both touched on this just a bit, but I'd like for you just to clarify here about some of the challenges that you see that have to be overcome in the industry where having users bound to their mobile devices is concerned. What types of things do we need to consider when it comes to this mobile authentication environment and what makes it unique? Yeah, let me take a run of that and then then maybe um, Daniel can chime in because uh, he has a great sort of uh, augmenting perspective. So, so there's a couple of things that I think of. Um, one is, as end users, I mean, as, as you and I are talking here, you know, I've got my phone beside me, I've got a desktop PC and a laptop PC and a tablet, and I'm probably pretty typical in that. All of the online services I access, I access pretty much through one of those four devices, and it's very rare that I go use something else. So as a practical matter, we all have fairly high levels of device affinity today. On the other hand, you, you know, there are times when we use a device that might not be ours, or, or to be more accurate, might not be ours alone. We may have PCs that are shared within the family and so forth, and we just use whatever device is handy within the household. Um, so one of the keys is you have to do this in a way that respects the privacy of the end users, and while it protects relying parties from fraud, also doesn't become a covert channel by which people can, uh, by which organizations, to be more precise, can track users across the internet. So those are, you know, this whole question of privacy actually really tends to become a key one. But definitely the notion of device affinity is a very key concept. And within the Alliance, one of the things we're doing is we're scoping out our specifications so that we're doing sort of a version one and a version two. And in version one, we're not yet dealing with the problem of okay, how do I back up the keys that I might have such that if I lose them, 
I can bless another device, and how does that happen in a secure fashion? So in the first version of a spec, essentially if you lose your device, you, you know, you're not putting your account at risk because essentially you can turn all those things off very easily, but it won't be easy in the sense of you can't just clone the, the device authenticators in version one. Now version two, you will be able to. So there's all of these kind of implications where you have to take a rather long view in the product roadmap. But uh, So that's my view anyway. You know, first of all, uh, one of the challenges that we see today if we wanted to implement a system is that each manufacturer of a mobile device has their own standards. So if we, as a relying party, wanted to implement a solution where uh, mobile phone is used to authenticate and uh, access our services, we will have to choose which device the users are going to log in with, or we will have to develop a set of uh, different protocols to communicate with each different devices. So having a single standard helps a lot, and, and I think it's one of the challenges that certainly the Fido Alliance is addressing. There's uh, another set that are the practical ones that also Michael mentioned, is what happens when somebody loses their phone what happens when they upgrade, you know, what happens when they upgrade their operating system, what happens when the people share phones. And we might have to come up with solutions or procedures to handle this type of situations. But I think the most important one, the challenge that we will have with consumer adoption will be that of privacy. And uh, from my experience, I know that users do not want their private information, certainly their biometrics out there in the cloud being transmitted over phone lines or through the internet. And so Fight Alliance is working very diligently to address that in the protocol so such that all identifying information remains on that, that authentication device and never leaves that device through the internet or to the cloud. And so before we close, could either one of you briefly talk about some of the interoperability challenges that the industry faces? Sure. So one of the things that the FIDO Alliance is in the process of doing now is actually defining a certification program for FIDO-enabled devices, uh, both at the hardware and software level. And, and there's several components to that. So, so one of them is the sort of classic conformance and interoperability testing. You, you know, conformance in the sense of does the implementation actually conform to the spec? interoperability in the sense of does implementation A interoperate with implementation B. But that's kind of the, the table stakes, as it were. The, the more interesting piece, though, is we're pretty convinced that we need to be giving guidance to relying parties such that they can make informed decisions about which authentication types uh, they're prepared to accept. And uh, you know, we expect that that program is going to morph over time. Uh, but we think it's really important to, to give relying parties some baseline information such that they can actually try to make those decisions in a rational and informed fashion. Michael and Daniel, I'd like to thank both of you again for your time today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's been fun. Thank you. Again, we've just heard from Michael Barrett and Daniel Almanara of the FIDO Alliance. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.